Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Killa McGillicuddy. I'm Hicker Billy. <laughs> I'm your fat man. I am the fat jolly guy. I'm Twisted Tessa. <laughs> and we're not really a stream team here tonight. <laughs> with another episode of Not Really a Podcast. Uh, take two. <laughs> take, <yeah. laughs> take two. Take two. Close ones, take two. I'll I'll leave that to, to Fat Jolly Guy if he wants to <laughs> divulge that information. We're here tonight to talk about our dreams for Destiny 2. Uh, as you well may know, uh, tomorrow marks the uh, reveal stream from Bungie for Destiny 2 Year 2. Uh, after a, a tad bit of a tease today, uh, we now know that season, or excuse me, Year 2, Destiny 2 uh, will be called Forsaken. Uh, and we're going to talk a lot about that tonight and discuss a few, uh, a few uh, of, uh, topics having to do with Destiny 2 Year 2, uh, some things we're looking forward to. But I will let uh, Fat Jolly Guy uh, give you a bit more information on all of that. Jolly, go right ahead, bud. Hello, guys. My name's Fat Jolly Guy. I'm the newest member of the uh, Not Really a Stream team. Um, I've kind of put this podcast together, kind of just shanghaied it together. Um, tonight's topics are going to be our hopes and dreams for year two in Destiny 2. And uh, it's going to be an overlook of the events that have taken place within the past, uh, within D1 and D2, and a way that Bungie can turn over a new leaf and bring the fun and excitement back to the fans who uh, have desperately, desperately wanted it. So uh, some of the topics we're going to be covering tonight are... Our theories of what uh, may lie in store, um, some possibilities of new items and new characters coming uh, into play, and uh, we're going to be doing a at the end. We're going to be doing a recap of what uh, what Destiny has made uh, means to us and still means. So, and just so you all know, what Killa was talking about is we we tried this once before, and I had my mic muted for the first fifteen minutes of the stream. So. Hmm. We had to redo it. <laughs> These things happen. Good job, Jolly. I know. Hey, way to way to fuck it up on my first day in, right? We might have to think about firing this guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is uh, first and last podcast. Yeah, guys. hi guys, bye guys. Uh, you know, <laughs> nice having you on the team, Jolly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, the first thing that uh, we've already talked about, what we're going to talk about again, because I was muted. Um, is location. So from the teaser trailer, we could see the uh, the purple glow of the reef. Uh, we see a guardian and Cade drop in to uh, what what appears to be a landing point inside the reef. And uh, uh, what are you guys' thoughts on this this possible new location? I mean, you know, I, I feel yeah, like it's not a new, new old, an old new yeah. location. I guess I, it, it remains to be seen if it'll be. Uh, a patrol area. Um, we certainly didn't have question. a lot. We, we we certainly didn't have a lot of the reef uh, to to use to utilize, if you will, in Destiny One. Um, but that's you know not to say that there's not a lot more reefs available to explore. We just you know haven't seen it. Obviously, there was a lot more tower to the tower than we didn't uh, have access to. Um, in Destiny Two, we got to mm-hmm. saw you know we got to see what was behind certain doors. We still didn't get a lot of the tower, but we still we had got a little bit more of it. Got a little more of it, exactly. Yeah. And, uh, you know, while I do think that we'll, it'll be the same, I, I, I still feel like the Reef itself, excuse me, uh, may still be a social space now. That could be completely wrong. Um, and I wouldn't be upset with that. Um, if, you know, we go back, to, we go to the Reef and it, and it is a large enough area for patrol. I think the, that would be interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it, it, it lends itself to uh, some some interesting uh, possibilities, especially thinking about you know really what uh, the the reef was, and you know the fact that it's you know it's it's in space, it's it's low gravity technically. Um, I got a little bit of logic here, and. Uh, <laughs> You know, we just don't know. Um, mm-hmm. If it is, if it is a social space, um, it'll you know likely be a larger one. Uh, but it's the way it looks, if if if, if what's to be believed is what we see, uh, it, the the reef may not be in any kind of shape 
to host a social activity. Mm. Uh, it, it's just going to be interesting to see, you know, what what it really is going on with. Uh, well, and, and another there. thing with the uh, the playable areas of the reef, you know how like uh, like let's take Mars for example. There's there's two landing points, you know. There's there's the futurescape landing point and the glacial glacial uh, drift. Drift. Thank you. Uh-huh. Um, it wouldn't be far fetched to have different derelict ships inside the reef mm-hmm. to be their own micro playable space with missions and whatnot, and each one have its their own landing point. And you have to use a fast travel point to get between the different playable areas inside the reef. I mean, that's I, a, not like I, I don't think they could. I, I don't say, it's think not like that they haven't work. reused planets and stuff. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like they've reused sure. Mars. They've reused, you know, Earth. Technically, we have the EDZ, whereas before we were more in, you know, what Russia. So it's not like they haven't reused areas. There's no reason why they can't, in this case, reuse the reef in a different way. I don't think that would work. The fast traveling with missions, though, because. Now you can't if you even have a patrol going. I, I understand that, but what I'm saying is, is if they have a mission in a particular area that's on a derelict ship, you know, that might might lend to a more uh, playable area, at least maybe even for story driven kind of missions, you know. Yeah, I mean, I could I could see Tessa's favorite part having like be a jump jumping <laughs> <from the laughs> other ones, jumping puzzle between the different derelict locations. Oh man, or Sparrow. Like, um, <laughs> those with the, the gravity launchers, like, you know, oh. shoot you to the next one. Man cannons. From one area to the next, yeah, the yeah. man cannons, basically, exactly. Yeah. But I, the Fallen I don't have that. that technology. That's Cabal. That's a Cabal thing. The Bex do, too, I think. I mean, I'm just saying, like, yeah, yeah. it's probably something we could, we could steal and, and retrofit mm. or, I, I mean... They're everywhere. I mean, fallen our scavengers. It wouldn't be it wouldn't be yeah. far fetched for them to nab onto some uh, cabal launchers or something yeah. similar to that design. So, yep. All right. So, yeah, but I think that's a really great idea that the reef be comprised of you know these derelict ships that are the like the the playable patrol areas, and each one is you know each area is named after the ship that it is. Yep. And you move between the areas either, you know, I mean, it's low, it's low gravity, you know, maybe, you know, we could, it'd be easy to just move between the areas with a jump, mm-hmm. you know, if we're out there in, in, in low atmosphere or man cannons would be a good idea. Uh, and thinking back to Destiny 1 wasn't part of the theory when they first went to the reef, how <clears throat> there was a lot of, um, like, broken down ships that they were passing by. Am I remembering yep. right? I think, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So that would make it even more, you know, if you knew the story from Destiny One. If you don't, then you're not gonna necessarily know that. But mm-hmm. okay. So, any other comments about location? Do we think? I mean, possibly a, a different planet or a new planet or a rehash zone from another planet. I mean, because it wouldn't be far fetched to bring back the like the Cosmodrome from D One. Yeah. So I. Kind of feel like if the reef is going to be a playable area, that could make for an interesting raid. Are they going to bring another raid layer? Oh, I, mean, I, I hope. I hope. Season be three, I mean, yeah. I I really hope they end the whole raid layer stuff. I don't don't count on it. I think. They, I, I I I'm. I think people, I think they're really keen on the raid being like a three part thing. I mean, well, we still have another DLC before the expansion, don't we? No. Okay, so then the expansion would be the next. So then, yeah. Yep. Well, we already have three parts then because we have Leviathan, Eater of Worlds, and Spire Star. Spire. So expansion two may very well be like what he said, where it uh, where it pulls away from uh, the the Eater of Worlds ship or the Leviathan ship. And makes a more raid in location like we had traditionally in D1. Mm-hmm. That would be interesting. I just hope maybe since we're going back to the reef, you know, since 
and you got taken out by orcs. Maybe you're like, okay, we're going to the Dreadnought Boys. Uh, <laughs> no, please. I was, no. A, I was a big fan. I love the Dreadnought. Fan. I thought it big was Big Dreadnought fan. So, I was literally just sitting here thinking, what if they just repurposed the Dreadnought for another raid? Like you had to go somewhere completely different inside of it. At the end scene you know, of the campaign in D2, I mean, they showed the Dreadnought is still chilling there, like oh, yeah. not being used. Okay, let's go back there, okay? I, I got a, I got a few jumping puzzles. Only if you can jump puzzles, puzzles, puzzles I need to take yeah, care of. Yeah, at this point, they need to have installed sparrows <laughs> to get around. And, 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 if if they went back no to the Dreadnought, if they went back to the Dreadnought, that would mean more walls of penises. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Just doink you off the edges of things. So, my... Don't catch the dildo. <laughs> my next question with the reflocation is do you think they're going to bring back a rehashed, renewed version of Prison of Elders? Interesting. Uh, I don't know, man. I, like, I like Theo, you know, uh, Fury. I really did, and I wouldn't mind doing it again. Um, but I just don't, I don't think, I don't know, man. Like, maybe... Like, they might. I don't know, because... Like, maybe, like, it's... a location you have to visit to do something, but maybe, mm-hmm. I don't maybe not, like, bring back the entire... Um, not bring back the entire activity itself, you know? Yeah. See, I would hope that, you know I mean, like whenever I seen it, first thing I thought was like, okay, the reefs coming back is prison of elders coming back, you know? But I, I just, I don't, I don't know if it will or not. My thing is, I is, can't see him. Re- oh, not yeah. with escalation protocols being so new. And see, that's my thought though, Hick is when, by the time Expansion 2 rolls around, Escalation yeah. Protocols are going to kind of be slanting Obsolete, off on the yeah. uh, on the public yeah. event side of it. If they if they can revamp a POE situation, kind of like, imagine like a prison break scenario. Because it's been derelict. It's been it's been abandoned. Who knows who's been doing what in the reef since, since Marasov in the, in the fight on the Dreadnought. I mean... These fallen could be teared into the prison of elders and breaking out these high-level enemies, and these public events could just be uh, these capsules or whatnot, where guardians can go up and open up these capsules and defeat the enemy inside because it's a breakout from the POE. Well, then why? I mean, a cell. I personally, I personally would have to try to sit down with Deeds and say, "Look, you need to hire a fat jolly guy on creative because the people you got." (laughs) Ain't living up to what he could offer. I'm, I mean, for those of you who don't know, I do have a, a background in game design and development. I have a bachelor's degree in game design and development. Uh, so, yes, I do have a, a keen eye for gameplay and what I think is fun. Now, what I think is fun is not necessarily fun for everybody, but, um, you know, I do I do like to throw my ideas out there, and that's why I kind of enjoy this podcast because, you know, it's all theoretical. We don't know nothing right now. So <laughs> Yeah. We literally know we literally know two things. There was a guardian and Cade and they landed on the reef. That's all we know. Oh, that's a good question. that's one of the topics that we need to discuss is Ooh, uh I've seen that. new yeah. new yeah. items and uh new characters that uh may be coming in, in the expansion. I heard rumors that this the year two is going to start with a Cade heavy storyline. I, I I hope so. Yeah, I it, do too. It would make sense because Osiris, we we dealt with uh, Ikora. thank you. And then with Warmind, we had uh, uh, Vuvuzela. Vuvuzela. Yeah, Vuvuzela. <laughs> and then I mean, it only makes sense Vuvuzela. that. <laughs> It would only make sense that Cade be the main point in the in the next expansion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it also goes with the save your best for last. I mean, come on. <laughs> right, but here's the thing: Are we going to get another like you know, Taken King was the only expansion we got for year two? Is it going to be the same thing? And if so, like, how much Cade six are we going to get? Is it going to last us twelve months? I mean, I don't yeah. know. I really, and I honestly don't think. Like, I think it'll. You know, it's either going to be one or two days. Either we're going to get, you know, year two, and then just like we did with this year, we're going to get two more. Or 
it's going to go back to how it was year two of Destiny 1, where it was, you get this with a couple of updates, you know, throughout the year to add a couple more things here and there, but they were yeah. free. And I don't know which way that's going to go yet. Like, I really have I, I I can't foresee Bungie going off and giving us more expansions. They're already fighting for people to play. Yeah. I, I would say... Time, though, at the same time, though, people are saying those, you know, especially those who gone to the went to the summit, that the entire, much like with uh, year two Destiny one, the entire game changed with the releases of year two. Uh, they're saying yeah. the same thing now. Just, just you wait, just you wait until year two comes because yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The, and it, the new and... fresh crispy shit is coming, and you're gonna love it. That's a that's a big thing for me because to hear the guys that went to the summit say you wait for year two. Year two is gonna be your year is way different than having Bungie tell us you wait until year two. You know? Yeah. It means a lot more having community people yeah. say, wait until year two, guys. That's when mm-hmm. all of these changes are gonna be taking effect. Which that rolls us into our next category random weapon rolls. And I think year two is going to bring back the random weapon rolls. I one hundred percent, I one hundred percent believe this, and the reason I believe this is because if on the current year one roadmap they had weapon mod two on there, which was supposed to bring weapon mods to a whole new category and give the player the feel for random weapon rolls again, being able to put these perks, being able to get mods that have these perks on it. You know, mm-hmm. if you wanted to put explosive rounds or firefly, you know, the the thought was is that mod 2.0 was going to be able to do that and give you the the ability to customize these weapons. Mod 2.0 has been erased from all of the roadmaps now, and the reason I feel like it's been erased is because Bungie went with random weapon rolls again. I pray, please. But <laughs> what if they combine the two? Because I I mean I I like where the mod system was going. I agreed that it needed some work. But yeah. I also think that there should be random rolls on weapons. And what I'm looking forward to are random rolls. You know, I'm looking for, I want the guns to have a static roll. Every gun comes with one perk that is static. Is mm-hmm. that, that gun gets that roll every time. Yeah. And yeah. it comes with a, a random perk and then a modable perk. Ooh, I like that. I like that. Yeah. That's but, what I really hope and then get. and then it also keeps your three options for sights. So you have three options for right. sights or barrels. You have the static perk that every weapon of that type is going to drop. Can be, and it can be a selectable. Like you get two static. And this weapon always comes with these two perks. Yeah, you gotta choose one. Mm-hmm. And, then and then it comes random with random perk and then modable. Yeah, that would be, be the dream. Yeah. yeah. Now, that would be the dream. <laughs> are you still going to be able to mod your energy weapons with different, different, oh, you know, arcs? Change, change so the, that would also type, yeah. that yeah. would also be a damage mod that energy weapons and heavy weapons would be able to uh, have applied as well. And then kinetic weapons would also have mm. the plus five kinetic damage mod still, or plus ten, right. or whatever they decide to do with that. That I like that. Idea. That's a that's a crazy that's a crazy good idea right there. I think that that right there would bring people because if you're a PvP guy, your 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 customizable perk could be PvP related. Exactly. If you're a PvE guy, it's a PvE mod. Mm-hmm. If it's a if you're a raid guy, they can have raid mods that drop from the raid. That could plug in there and give you boost your weapons boost in raid situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, same with strikes. If you have a strike mod, you could put in there. You know, I mean, there's a lot of potential. I get what you're getting at here. There's a lot of potential for good things, and all of those yes. customizations will lead people to grind those guns because, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's going to be the grasp of Malik all over again if if this way of customizing your weapons comes back because you're going to grind for that weapon if it's got these static rolls and it has a table. Like from year one, where the static rolls, you know, can roll mm-hmm. through, and you only get two options out of six possibilities, you're gonna grind those weapons until you get the perk that you want for the customizable mod that you're gonna be putting on it. Yep, exactly. That way, when that way, when Zavala or the Cryptarch or the Gunsmith 
give you your six better devils in a row, you're not just immediately like, smash that. You're looking at those perks again. You're looking at it and going, what and mods go does it smash have? that? And then you go smash yeah, that. Probably good. Then, then, yeah. But <laughs> it still, it still <laughs> gives you that opportunity to, to go, wait a second. It gives yeah. you, a, yeah, it lets you, it gives you an opportunity or it gives you the reason to play the game and, and grind out all this cool stuff that, because you, you now are looking for the guy combo of this yep. gun. Mm-hmm. Especially especially if these modifications, custom modifications, would be able to have something along the lines of, like, oh, man, I got this really cool mod, and it would go perfect with a with a scout rifle, pulse rifle, hand cannon, or something along that line. And then you're like, mm-hmm. but which one do I want to put it on? So you're going to be, like, hoarding that mod, you know, until you find yeah. the gun you want to put it on, and it gives you even more reason, just like you said, Killa, to grind the game and find that gun. Now, with that being said, though, how does that affect metas in Crucible? I guess mm. we won't know until that until yeah. like, if that happens, and then it'll it'll be it'll be still well. You need to get this gun. Mm-hmm. You need to put this perk on it. You better hope it rolls with this, and then you better put this mod on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you know, you know that Bungie is very concerned about. The, the balance in PvP in D2. And, I mean, with this newest Crucible update, the time to kill has been reduced significantly. Your supers have been increased significantly. Your grenade recharge, your melees, all of those have been boosted. I mean, Crucible plays a hell of a lot faster than it did at the beginning of D2. Mm-hmm. Thankfully. So, yeah, thank yeah, you. I mean, it's a good change. The, the faster pace with the lower numbers is a real good feel. Um... I feel like Iron Banner, when it was 6v6, was very hectic because everybody was having supers and grenades and melee charges, and it was a real fight for the heavy ammo because the heavy ammo tended to be the the shift in the battle that everybody was after. Oh, shit. Yeah, I remember that. So, all right. So, we're back. All right. Sure. Um, Aside from Crucible, because that's not really what we're here to talk about, um, one of the things that. Uh, I've seen on some of the reddits and everybody where people are speculating things is the possibility of a new subclass. We got new subclasses when Taken King was dropped. What are your guys' take on a new possible subclass? And what kind of energy type would it be? Because we every class already has one of each element type as a subclass. It would It would only make sense that it's Frost. I challenge that. What would what would be your element type for a subclass? Darkness. Darkness. Explain, please. There have been guardians throughout the history who have succumbed to the darkness, like Dredge and Yor. Mm-hmm. Dark guardians who, um, though they were forged in the light, um, the darkness turned them from the light, and they started doing fucked up things. Like Yor, his his whole thing was taking the lives of innocent people. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he found joy in it. Yeah. Um, so if you could come up with a like a, a cursed or um, you know a blighted guardian who you know the only thing about it that I that I that I really can't answer right now is um, like switching subclasses because I feel like if you are a guardian that goes that route you should lose. Yeah. Black- but I mean this is destiny we're talking about you know I I would feel like a dark subclass as fun as that sounds like and as interesting as that could be I don't Mm -hmm. know how that would play because destiny paints guardians as the good guys and to give them a subclass that is literally connected to being a bad guy I don't know how that would play out but right on the flip side of that, um, Callus has hinted a few times at you know us being on the wrong side as it is, mm-hmm. and maybe um, he has an idea of a power type we could um, utilize. Hmm. See when Robotic. Uh, when uh... yeah, or you know something like who knows? It's hard to it's hard to put a label on it on it right now mm-hmm. um, as far as that goes, but you know it could be. Could be anything for that matter. It could be whatever he calls all that space lean that comes out from his uh the, the purple stuff that's leading up to his throne. And, 
called a space lean on the ground. He's he, that could be some kind of power that, that uh, they can produce. Hmm. Interesting. The uh, the uh, well, I when uh, <laughs> when Warmind dropped, I thought when I first time I seen the javelin, I thought a javelin subclass was coming to D two. Uh, I thought mm. that would be so cool to have an entire subclass that was built by Rasputin. And every class would be the Javelin class. So whether you're a Hunter, a Warlock, or Titan, when you popped your super, you would have a, a Rasputin Javelin. Your grenades would be, you know, the Nanotech. Your, you know, your Rift Energy slash Shields, all of that would be Nanotech. You know, it would be Rasputin-developed... Uh, archetypes, you know, and it would be a more kinetic type of super, a more material super than it than space magic, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I was kind of holding out. So there might be a possibility of something similar to a kinetic super, because you know the fallen out there, they're scavengers. You know, when the queen was out there, they scavenged the reef. Maybe they have some sort of super that they use because they were so far away from the light they had to survive at the edge of the light. Right. You know? Maybe their warriors found a way to to go beyond that. But that also ties in the theory of the super being frost. Because the further away from light you are, the colder it is. Frost right. would be a nice archetype. And and we already have uh, the cold heart. Which I mean it's an arc weapon but it literally oozes ice. Yeah, I gotta mention, um they're kind of testing things with frost powers, if you would, with the whole the frozen hive and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So it could be like it's obvious, and in the lore, it's it's Rasputin that caused the shift in the temperature yep. to freeze everything over to freeze the hive. So it's not beyond the realm of thought that Rasputin's like, okay, let me hook y'all up with a subclass. Boom! Here's your frost. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and then then it's like, well, who do you trust, Guardian? <laughs> the Traveler? What do you trust, Rasputin? <laughs> you know, it's it's it it, it brings a plot, you know, like a, a cool little narrative for the game. If that's the way they're going. Just just really I'm... quick though, I here's something. Here's some food for thought. I'll let you guys chew on that for a little bit. Rasputin versus the Traveler. I mean, it already happened. I mean. <clears throat> I mean, what, isn't that? I'm talking. The traveler tried to leave when the darkness came the first time, and Rasputin injured it. Yep, I'm talking That's round good. two. Yeah, because obviously the traveler has been awoken, you know, because of the Cabal invasion and all that, and it did it did what it had to, and now Rasputin is, uh, you know, seems to be playing a prevalent part, and you know, yeah. we got Anna, you know, in there doing God knows what, and Zavala, you know, just kind of like. I'm trying to tell you guys it's a bad idea, but Anna's like all hot and shit, and she's like, "Guardian, save that for me. I want a copy." And you're like, "Okay." <laughs> I said this in the D1: the Vanguard are the real enemy. I mean, the Vanguard, yeah, the Vanguard were established. Yeah, the Vanguard were established to to cut out the warlords. So I mean, obviously, the Vanguard in themselves had to be the baddest, baddest warlords around to to do that to them so i mean it would not be such a far-fetched idea so i mean that's just my what i've always felt i mean it could be you know more than wrong but just some things that zavala says how he acts all bossy yeah Mm -hmm. you know it's like we just saved your life bossing us around but he's like still does it <laughs> well I mean Zavala has his storyline I mean obviously when, when the war of the seven fronts happened you know some shit went down and it was real bad and they thought they were going to lose the city then and I saw mm-hmm. I mean that forged Zavala into the character that he is so yes he seems he comes across as this strict asshole kind of dictator feel like, it's my way or the highway, but past events have dictated him into this situation. And with the Cabal event, it even it, it fortified him even more as that type of, we need to be better equipped to defend ourselves. We need to do it this way. 
you know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's a very matter-of-fact, like most Titans are, you know? I mean, I hate to say it, but what's his what's his <clears throat> face on Io said it, I'm a Titan, I'm going to head smash it. Zavala is a creature of, of his situations that have happened. And because of the, the, the invasion of the Cabal and the War of Seven Fronts, I mean, it, it's formed him into what he is. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's just the character that he is. But, but the the good part about Zavala being so headstrong and sure about what he needs to do to defend the city is that he has Ikora and he has Cade, and it's not just his way or the highway, you know. Right. He has that fire team. He has that vanguard leadership, and each of them have their own their own strengths and their own weaknesses that they bring to the table. You know, Ikora is a very uh, you know, as the warlock, she contains wisdom and knowledge, you know. She plays a very mm-hmm. speaker kind of role now that the speaker's gone. And then you got Cade, who's a very outside-the-box, outside-world kind of treasure hunter rogue that he kind of plays. Yeah. Next so, speaker, Cade. Next speaker, Cade, Cade, mm-hmm. Cade 2020. <laughs> yep. What about this scenario? The war mind is con- really controlled by Anna Bray. Because she's the only one that helped build it that's alive, apparently. It would make sense. I mean... Yeah. Oh, yeah. And she I just thought of this theory. Her. Yeah. Tessa's right. Who's Whose ship's right there? The princess. Mm-hmm. What if they come and kidnap her? Or what if Anna already has him? Yeah. That's, that's a possibility. There. The the princess ship, if you guys don't know, in the Warmind DLC, there's a scannable object in one of the Lost Sectors, which is a crashed... Cabal. Uh, the Cabal's mm-hmm. Lost Sector. It's a crashed uh, reef, reef glider. The three-winged ship from D1. And you could scan it, and it says, you know, this has got fallen markings on it, and this ship belonged to the prince, and all this, that, and the other, which kind of very ties it in, because in the lore... It said after the battle he had crashed on Mars. So obviously he hasn't made himself known, but he's a mm-hmm. very he's very good. He's a survivor. So it wouldn't be far fetched that he's surviving somewhere on Mars or whatnot. Or he may have been picked up and captured by a fallen house. He may have been picked up and captured by mm-hmm. Anna Bray and Rasputin or the Hive or any any of the enemy types. So there's a there's a whole part of the narrative right there that is unexplained and unexplored. And speaking of narrative, mm. that's the next topic that we have here is where do you think year 2 is going to take the narrative of Destiny as a whole? Hmm. Huh. That's a hard one. It's a very hard yeah, one. Well, hopefully the future of it gives me a hard one. Oh, wait. (laughs) I mean, I'm praying that they take it from this level and put it to this level, because this is where it should be. So the thought is, is that, I mean, we look at D1, we look at the expansions that we've gotten from D1, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, D2 has followed a very similar path, unfortunately. The community as a whole was very upset with the the quantity of story there was at, from the get-go in D2. So in year two, um, in D1, with Taken King, they added so much story. They added the cutscenes. They added story-driven dialogue. You know, all of this stuff to D, to mm-hmm. year two. Are we expecting or... Or are we should we expect that same quality of story being dumped into year two sprinkled in throughout the months with the with the activities? Or are we expecting a similar style of a kind of like a large DLC and then hoping and praying that we get a, a spring DLC and a fall DLC also? Hmm. These are some hard yeah, questions. I can see it going either way. Yeah. I can see it. I can see it going either way. Yeah. So my here's just my thought about it. If year two follows this pattern, okay, 
year two expansion is going to cost you $25, whatever the season pass is, right? But mm-hmm. you get year two expansion and two DLCs for that cost. And the two other DLCs are free. You pay $25 and you're going to get the year two expansion set. There's no way it's that cheap. No, no way. Okay. No, because year two and D one, it was like forty bucks extra. Mm-hmm. Forty bucks. Okay. Yeah. So forty bucks. Okay. So basically, the cost of another game. But you're going to get the year two expansion and two more DLCs. However, if it's going to be like Taking King, where yeah. it's only one expansion and that's it for a whole year, are people going to pay the forty-five dollar or forty-dollar price tag for that expansion? Yes. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think they will, but I think there's a lot of people that They're are just wait. sitting back, going, "You guys better blow my mind away at E3." And this there's already leading up to yeah, it. That's our, there's already confusion yeah. saying that now. That this mm-hmm. next thing, I better absolutely be mind blowing, or I'm done with Destiny. I, I swear. Yeah. And see, that's uh, that's that's. I mean, there are people that you know when Osiris hit, that was like that was super low. Like that was lower than Crota in D one. Yeah, I was. I was one of them too. I was one hundred percent. I think we all uh, we all felt that slump so bad, and that's when the community got so toxic, mm-hmm. and it started yeah. just imploding on itself. And that community implosion has what is what caused Bungie as a company to take a step back and look at how it communicates with its community. Mm-hmm. I well, mean, so that's how they did with the division too. Remember? You know, oh after- yeah. After a while, you know, they brought in a bunch of people and got shit figured out, brought in, you know, like all these people that played it and was like, okay, so what can we do? And, yep. you know, 100%. Yeah. I mean, when when you have a low in your game that early, because, I mean, that was, what, four months of Destiny? Four months yeah. and then we got Osiris? I mean, D2 was supposed to go a whole year and carry that hype for a whole year. And the first DLC just cuts the leg out from the entire community. Mm-hmm. I mean, they had to do I... some drastic changes. And I think Warmind did a really good job at apologizing for the shortcomings of Osiris. I think it did I a great job. I think it brought job. some people back, but I don't think it's brought everybody back. No. Mm-hmm. I think, some people I think year said... two is going to have to knock, like you said, knock people's socks off or the people that have stuck around and are hoping for a continuation are going to leave. And the people that are saying, Oh, you better knock my socks off. There's no way they're going to come back. Yeah. See, I I sit here and I think back to D one year two, right. It got me back a little bit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Where this one brought me back and I see the grind and I feel the grind and I'm loving the grind. But it's oh, yeah. still right. it's still a small grind. Yeah. In the comparison. Because come come after say Saturday or Friday night when I'm done raiding, I'm bored of the game. And you're waiting for reset. Yep. But you're waiting. I mean, usually I'm not bored, right. I'll load up some Zelda. My thing about that is there are things to grind if you know what to do. Like those those sleeper nodes. Now it's a pain in the ass because Two thirds of them by the time you get to like you got I got like a thirty of the forty, uh-huh. so like two thirds of the ones that I make keys for are repeats, and I just gotta break them down and. I you know, I already came up with a solution for that one killer. They should they, they should have just you get one through forty and then it repeats after that. <laughs> That'd be nice, but unfortunately we we are where we are. Yeah, and, buddy. And I'm almost positive they're gonna announce uh, moments of triumph tomorrow too. Oh yeah, for year one. If they don't announce it tomorrow, it'll be sometime in June because it's on the roadmap. Yep. Moments of Triumph is definitely going to be coming. And it's going to happen. I see that, but I see a lot of people's Moment of Triumph being like a 30-second video. No. No, no, no. I feel like... I mean, like, they're going to have all those things you got to go do to make sure you get your t-shirt if you want it. Yep. I'm that guy. I I remember that. Yep. Yeah, God bless a t-shirt. Every one of them nodes, you're going to have to collect. I guarantee it. Every one of them tokens, you're going to have to collect. All the collectibles. There was something that I didn't collect on that damn... On the... uh, I remember that now. I've forgotten about that. I, I forgot to do something. I wasn't able to get that shirt. Mm. Mine was calcified fragments. I never got all of my calcified fragments. What? Nope. 
I know. I could have bought the shirt, but let's face it, they didn't come in baby elephant size. So I, I feel you. I feel you, brother. I feel you. Um, wasn't like one of the moments like, like going like flawless or some shit. Yeah, flawless was, yeah. raider. It was an optional one. Yeah, <laughs> you didn't have to go flawless. Yeah, because but that was easy, on, but that was easy on Crota. So yeah. I mean, no, he, I'm talking about like in trials. Like trials oh, yeah, Please. yeah, yeah. Oh, oh trial. I got it. Yeah, I didn't. Of course you did, Hicker. <laughs> what? Hicker, you are ever. you don't even play trials now. How did you go flawless in year one? Don't ask. Oh my you goodness. Don't want to know. Oh, you got good at PvP. You, you got can blame the people that were with him. <laughs> you got backpacked hard, didn't you? <laughs> just, just listen to it. Just I'd listen hate, to it. They're chiropractor with them. <laughs> literally, it had literally, to do with backpacks. Trust me. Literally, people this dude from it. my clan messaged me. He's like, "Hey, you want to go flawless and trials?" I'm like, "What are you talking?" But like, "Yeah, just come and we'll carry you." <laughs> I literally went, got no kills that game. <laughs> Or that round, oh. or that that session, because that I couldn't move. <laughs> I immediately turned around and kicked them out of my clan. Oh, they! Oh, yeah! Oh. Now the dots are connecting. Oh, it took it. Yeah, I was yeah. I was over halfway through his explanation. I was like, uh huh. Mm-hmm. I know what yeah. happened here. That's why yep. I said, don't ask. Oh, that's okay. That's dirty. I kicked him out of my clan and I turned him into Budgie. That's dirty. But you still got the flawless, sir. <laughs> wow. And you're just bragging on your flawless. I was gonna, no, I, was gonna I wasn't bragging. You phony. <laughs> I, I'll brag. Okay, I'll brag this. D2 trials. There was one set. I went 12 and 0. Mm-hmm. I haven't gone flawless in trials ever. I've played, I've, I've played trials one time. One time, and that was just enough to unlock so I could go in there to get the achievement for meeting an Emissary of the Nine. That's all well, I've ever played it. Actually, uh, what was I, I went? I played Trials a little bit D1. I think the highest I've made it, though, was like 7-0. and 0. <laughs> Oh, It was... You got an 8 was, Yeah. All right, so... I remember, I remember you telling me about that. So... Back to our topics. We've already discussed location. Uh, we've discussed the Fallen, the return of Varix and other uh, races. What about the uh, the idea of having the Fallen as allies in the new DLC? I think it's a great idea. I think it's been a speculation for a while. People think that the Fallen is eventually going to say, you know what, uh, if you can't beat them, join them. Um, there's some speculation, of course, that points to um, from the Forsaken part. Uh, to the uh, one of those adventure in D2, wherein uh, we encounter the fallen captain mm-hmm. uh, who's mm-hmm. who has a surname, the, the Forsaken. Forsaken. Yeah, and uh, if oh, you don't I kill him, and, him, if you don't kill him, he he kind of salutes you and disappears. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a lot of which one is that? It it's a enemy PS. Enemy on it's a PS4 exclusive strike, isn't it? It's not a strike. It's an adventure. It's on Titan. It's adventure. It's oh, okay. It's a it's a set of adventures. That because it's the, the it's the fallen versus it's the hive. The one where you had to either choose to kill one guy, or you ended up, or the other guy, or both. Yeah, you end up, if you kill uh, the, the world captain quest first, locked on Titan. Yeah, it's Titan. Yeah. The, the idea is to kill the hive knight first, and don't kill the the captain. And if you don't if you don't shoot at him or kill him or anything like that, if you don't hit him, um, he, he says something to you in Fallen and, or Elixir, if you will, and uh, and then goes away. Yeah, and his, his, name was, yeah, his name is the, the Forsaken. So there's, like, there's that. Um, that's, I mean, that's a pretty solid ground on uh, a kind of a an uneven ally between the, yeah. the Fallen and and the uh, the tower, if you will, or the last city, if you will, um, right. but and that and, and then, see even that doesn't interfere with any of the other fallen that you would fight in game because they, it would be easily explained that they're outside of the the fallen houses because the ones that we do encounter they don't fly bla- they don't fly fly banners they don't wear uh, house colors they're truly like native you know they've they've mm-hmm. reverted back to true scavenging 
So the ones that still follow the house rules, the ones that still follow the, you know, judgment, you know, all of these, uh, would be really easy for them to fly under a single banner and ally with the city, um, you know, because we've already seen that that, that humans and the elixir could work together with uh, with things on the reef with the queen and all that. So it's a real possibility. So then the next question is, will they be a playable race? Oh, it's, hard, it's hard to say at this point. Go ahead. I don't know if they'd add like another race to play. You know, I think they'd stick with just the but, you know, humans X thousand awoken. But why well, not? If there was another race, they would have to offer like a fourth character. A fourth character? Four new yeah. supers? A whole new character to grind through the story. That could be the new class. It gives it gives everybody a core everybody that core feeling to do a whole new character again, a whole reason to do a whole new, never done before character. That right. could be the new class. I am hoping, however, that they give us a spark of light to take us to at least level thirty. Yeah. Please. Yeah. No, nah, do it from Bungie, zero. You, do if, it from the ground if you up. Ever watch this, Bungie? <laughs> Deej, I'm looking at you. Sparks, baby. Please, please, please. please. Sparks, spark, baby. I'm, I'm cool with running the story, you know, but don't make me go through all of that again. I'm going to go through all of D1 or D2. Oh, uh, what killer? You don't want again. the grind? I don't want to have to do that again. I, I, I've already done it eight times. Uh, the only reason I get I... third character on PC. It's because I don't need a hunter. Because <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't, there's no, I'm good. I got a warlock. I got a titan. I play on PC 90% of the time. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got a hunter that I play on yeah. um, on Xbox for when I need that grind. And right now, my, my PlayStation 4, I ain't turned it on in 2018. <laughs> Shame. I mean, my, my PS4 is a in last place behind... My PC, my Xbox, and my Switch. <laughs> <laughs> okay. In last place. So, so I'll get around to it when I do. But I've got a, a three hundred. Or, well, let me, let me. Yep. I've got a, I've got three characters on, P, on PlayStation. I've got three characters on Xbox. The only way they're gonna get me to run a, a, a ninth character, a third character on PC, is they give me something completely new to do. Mm-hmm. And then Shit, I can hardly run two characters on PC. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Whew. All right, so we're in the last uh, the few minutes of this uh, the podcast here, so we've we've basically covered everything that's on here. Um, two things we haven't covered is: Do you think that expansion two is going to bring a brand new enemy archetype? I'm not, I'm not talking a reskin fallen, um, because of the flash from when the traveler awoke. We've seen the pyramid ships. There's been a lot of speculation about the darkness coming this way, the reef would be the first place they got to. Are we going to see the the beginnings of a darkness enemy archetype in this expansion? Do we already have that? No, we have the Taken. We have the Taken, yeah. But yeah. it's not the darkness. I mean, they've... Man, like... I don't know. They're we, we've been dark. waiting and waiting for I don't know how long, you know, to see the darkness come and I feel like, you know, if we're going back to the reef, there's a high possibility. We might, we might see it, you know, I mean, I wouldn't mind it. Uh, Honestly. I mean, that'd be what five years of destiny now. And we haven't had a new one. Yeah. Because I mean, in the beginning, in well, I would say five years, we had the taken, you know, like, I mean, that, yeah, but the Taken were directly, yeah. yeah, directly related to the Hive, though. You know, that the Taken is part Hive because of Oryx. He was the Taken King. It was a power that the Hive had from the the Worm Gods. So if you if you classify that, the Taken aren't even true darkness. They're just creation of the Hive. Yeah, hmm. you know, and now without a king, they they run rampant. You know, which is what we see on Io. But yeah. what I'm saying is is that the Reef would be the first location that any of the Darkness ships would actually make it into our solar system. It would be our first opportunity to see a brand new enemy archetype, one that we've never seen before in Destiny, fight a whole new type of enemy. 
I mean, if you think about it, things that Destiny, things that Bungie have to do, they have to bring the grind back, they have to bring the entertainment factor, they have to bring a narrative. Those three things right there, you introduce the darkness, you introduce random weapon rolls, random armor rolls, that kind of stuff, you introduce a new playable area. I mean, you got it. You got the three things that Bungie needs to bring for Expansion 2 right there. You're literally looking at a brand new game come year two if they can pull those three yeah. things off. And I think that's what it needs to happen. I 100% mm. agree. Because if any of those three points falls flat on its face, and I'm talking flat, like just completely screwed up, you're going to lose everybody that walked out in Osiris. You're going to lose them all. Because you got people that came back for Warmind, and they're like, mm-hmm. yeah, this is fun. It brings the grind back a little bit. They're going to buy the expansion. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to buy the expansion. I'm one of those people that yeah. I left during Osiris, and I came back with Warmind, yeah. and I'm going to buy the yeah. new expansion. I am. But if I don't get that feeling of the extreme grind that everybody has been talking about back, or the narrative back, or the reason to come and play again, mm-hmm. it's going to yeah. be really easy to walk away from the game again. And I feel like they need these three key points to to bring that player base and bring back the feel that we had and the excitement that we had. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think I think it's super. I think it's a super powerful possibility. Super powerful. <laughs> that uh, that this is a this is a this is a strong key point that they could do. Because mm-hmm. bringing the darkness as an enemy type alone would be enough to bring all of this Os- Osiris people going, look, I don't know if the Expansion 2 is going to be good or not, but I want to kill one of those guys. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. So that's, that's, my, that's my thought about a new, uh, play, a new enemy type. It'd be nice. Be a, it would be really nice. Well, with so many possibilities coming, you know, I mean, we, we've got Sabbath 3 we know is eventually showing up. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that whatever the darkness is, we feel like they're coming back. Yeah. Um, so you know, that's the darkness could be anything. You know, uh, Thune could be bringing anything. Well, I think yeah. you talked about it early, Killa, with your superpower or your your super that you talked about, Dark Guardians. Right. Why? Well, there have been like yeah. Why <laughs> wouldn't the darkness? It would be real easy to make it another humanoid race. Yeah, easily. Yeah. Um, Guardians through time. We've already have a. We already have the Exo Stranger from D one. She's she's talking about events that came through time. We've got mm-hmm. Osiris, who's been sitting in the Infinite Garden, filing through thousands upon thousands of different iterations of the future and past. I mean, it'd be very easy for him to to know something about Dark Guardians. You know, we have Vex mm-hmm. that are time travelers. They pull themselves through time. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wouldn't be anything for the a guardian, fallen guardians from a different timeline, who have pulled themselves through and are after the traveler to destroy it because of whatever self-righteous belief that they have that the traveler mm-hmm. is what destroyed humanity, which it would be really easy to see because, I mean, when the traveler entered our solar system, we went into this grand golden age and everything, but it also brought in the enemies of the Traveler. The Elixni, the exactly. Cabal, the Hive, all of these things that are there to devour the light. And if these dark guardians from a different timeline that have been chasing the Traveler for all this time, there's your there's your mm-hmm. enemy type right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you got you got hunters, you mm-hmm. got warlocks, you got titans. All dark versions, mere images of ourselves. They're supers will be available to them. Could you imagine PvE combat going up against a Titan Slam from a Dark Guardian or an Arkstrider? Maybe want to throw something or some whatever their mm-hmm. dark versions of those powers would be because obviously they don't have the traveler's light to embrace these the the gifts of the light, you know, but mm-hmm. at the same token they would have some sort of abilities from the darkness. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely not far-fetched when you think about it. Um, I mentioned Dredgen Yor, Dredgen Yor, I can't really remember how to pronounce the name exactly. Um, but on the flip side of the same coin, though, take, for mm-hmm. instance, Eris Morn. Um, that's, she used the darkness 
to bring us out of the Ascendant Realm when yep. we were there to get Crota's essence. Yep. Yeah, you know, that's what she used was the what, darkness to pull us out. What is there? He's an emissary of the nine. Yep. He he serves the nine, and it is it is of the belief that if that is who may have Mara solve right now is the nine. Yeah, I can believe that's a that. possibility. Because I mean, in in the in that cutscene, I mean, you've seen her close her eyes, and then the screen flashes to white. Which white is a huge part of trials and of the 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 nine, you know. Yeah. So it could be very well be that mm-hmm. the nine had different plans for her, and they grabbed her in that moment prior to the dreadnoughts explosion uh, damaging her ship. Because you know the prince, he ran. He mm-hmm. he jumped. Uh, he jumped light speed and tried to outrun the blast they... and failed. So obviously mm-hmm. some some kind of power beyond that had to grab her and pull her away because it's 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 been said it's in the lore that she's not dead but how do you survive that explosion from the dreadnought when it destroyed so much else how did she escape from that ship that's yeah. questions and I, I mean well, wasn't there like a mission uh, on in D one where it was like finding one of them ships and they thought it was the queen's ship. Like, uh, yeah, there was there was a there was, was like a, a distress beacon. It was something like that. Yeah, I don't remember that. One. It was a, it wasn't a, it wasn't a mission. It was a scannable, a scannable or something in mm-hmm. taking. You King. had to do the mission, I thought. No, because it, well, maybe it was during. I don't remember. Yeah, it was like a little. It, well, it wasn't. Because your ghost like said something about it. Mission, some yeah, and at the end of it, it was talking about. Uh, it was going back to like the queen and the reef and everything. It was going back to all that. Yeah, because and because the ghost said it was something. on Mars. Yeah, the ghost said something about it was a distress signal from the queen ship yeah. or something, and then it went quiet. He said. Yeah. yeah. And so that would be that would indicate that they were transmitting prior to the dreadnought hitting, attacking the ship, and then it would make mm-hmm. sense that the transmission would stop after that, you know. So. Hmm. But yeah, the lore and everything behind behind what happened to the queen and the prince is, is all theory right now because the lore, all it says is that the prince crash-landed on Mars. We don't know what happened to him. And that the queen is survived the dreadnought attack, but we don't know how. And to look at the destruction in the wake of what the dreadnought was able to do, it's it's really hard to see how she would be able to escape that without mm-hmm. some sort of greater outside help like the Nine. You know? So. Yeah. All right. So we've already run over just a little bit. So right now I would like each of us to, to kind of go through and, and in closing, tell us about your journey through D1, what it's mean to you and what you hope it's going to mean in the future. So killer, go ahead. All right. Well, uh, I started playing destiny one, uh, about five months after it started. And since then, uh, it's led to an incredible journey. Um, uh, I discovered Twitch. I uh, met, you know, it's a, a group of people that I started playing Destiny with, uh, who mostly don't play Destiny anymore. But through through Destiny and then Twitch, um, I met, you know, all of you people basically mm-hmm. in the Twitch directory. And you know, and this year, planned an entire vacation around meeting um, one of the craziest group of people I've ever had the <laughs> privilege of knowing. So, uh, mm-hmm. uh, onwards and upwards, man. I love Destiny and ready for more Destiny things and. Yeah, you're not gonna sink this fucking hype truck. This this hype ship you ain't gonna stop this hype train. There ain't no brakes on this bad boy. I don't care who who hates on it and who's not ready and who thinks it's a quote unquote shit game. Killer McGillicuddy's ready for year for year two, ready for more for more destiny. Bring it on. There you go. All right, yeah. Tessa, why don't you tell us about uh what D one means to you? And D two, then the journey as a whole. D one Hick and I started D one in the alpha we played the alpha we played the beta and from the alpha i truly did not think it was going to be a game i was going to like as much as i did um and it developed into um an obsession a passion even through d1 in year one when a lot of people fell away including you know many people in our clan at the time i i was still there i was still grinding 
I fell away some in, the, in years two and three, off and on, but finished year three, you know, strong. Looking forward to D2. I was disappointed to some extent, but then I remembered year one of D1 wasn't all that great either. It had its moments too. Mm-hmm. So, and in some ways, year one of D2 has rebounded better than year one of D1 did. So I'm looking forward to seeing what this reveal brings and what, what uh, year two brings. Okay. Nick, what about you? I've been watching Destiny since they first announced it back 06-ish area. Uh-huh. A long time ago. It uh-huh. was. Myself, Mr. Killzone, my brother, we got so hyped. We're like, that's going to be an amazing game. And we watched it grow. We got the hype. Played it every since, like like Tess said, Alpha, Beta, D1. I dropped out halfway through D1 until the expansion started coming. And mm-hmm. then Rise of Iron came, and I was all about that game. It's all I played. Loved it. Started streaming it. And then got hyped for D2. D2 came. And it felt, it felt what I wanted, like a whole new game, but not the game that it should feel like. And I'm glad, I'm just going to skip and say I'm glad Warmind came out because it brought me back. Yep. And I'm, I'm excited for year two. I really hope that they uh, change everything. I, that needs to be changed. I'm with mm-hmm. you. All right, Fat Man, what about your what's your opinions D1 D2 journey? Oh man, I love Diablo. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> all, all two of them. <laughs> no, uh I started Destiny um shit, it was between Dark Below and House of Wolves. And yeah, I played it uh man, I, I like I enjoyed all through Dark Below by the time I, you know, I really got through it all cuz I wasn't playing it nonstop. It was after my fool wreck and everything else, uh but uh Whenever House of Wolves dropped, you know, me and my brother, we was playing it nonstop, doing Prison of Elders, everything else. And then right before uh, Taken King dropped, you know, it, I just kind of, like, quit playing it. Then Taken King dropped, and I was back in it. Then that's whenever I found, like, Sneak and everyone else, and I just played it religiously all through the rest of the damn DLCs. And once they brought back the revamp raids, I was just, you know, I kind of phased out a little bit into other games. But then D2 dropped, you know, I played it for a while, then I was just like, ah. And then Curse of Will Cyrus dropped it, I was just like, ah. And, but with Warmind, I'm really glad, uh, you know, it it really brought me back to the game, I will say that. Yeah. And so are you excited for, for year two and everything that oh, it could yeah, bring? Oh, most definitely. There you go. All right. So in closing for me, um, I w- like Tessa and Hick, I was, a, I was an alpha, I was a beta tester for the game. Um, I absolutely fell in love with the game. Um, I bought it, and immediately it was what I did Twitch for. Uh, I first started with The Division and played that, and as soon as Destiny dropped the full game, Division was gone. I did nothing but Destiny through all of D1, mm-hmm. through the highs, the lows, the DLC. That's that's what we built this community on was Destiny. And uh, I felt really strong connection with the the streamers inside of that community and everything. Um, when D two dropped, I was one of those fanboys, man. I'm like, they're gonna learn from all the mistakes from D one, <laughs> and this is the promised land of Destiny. I'm gonna get a massive story. I'm gonna get thousands <laughs> of missions. Everything that I ever hoped for is gonna is just gonna rain from the heavens of Destiny, and I, I'll never need to buy another video game again. And so. When it wasn't, uh, it was one of those games that hit me real hard. It really, really hurt me. And uh, the community that I'd built around that game uh, got really toxic, and it, and it hurt a lot. You know, um, I've lost a lot of friends that used to play and used to be just like me. Um, and even I, even I wasn't into the game as nearly as much as I was in D1. It, and it really... Uh, it really hurt my community on Twitch. It really hurt uh, friendships that I had. Um, you know, when Osiris dropped, and I, it was just more of the same. I was, I was really, really destroyed. Um, I mean, I don't have anybody that 
was that D from D1 anymore. No, no one. Uh, they're all gone now. Um, but from from that point forward, um, I said, you know what, well, we're going to get back into de- into Destiny. That's what the community was built on. And you know what? Screw the haters. We're gonna we're gonna come back. We're gonna build a community better than ever around this dead game. And I don't care. And then Warmind dropped, and it gave everybody more reason to play. And the the new friends that I had made from doing other various things, you know, they were all Destiny people too. And so giving new meaning to the game brought everybody back into that central focus point of Destiny being the game, you know. And I mean, we we had a whole podcast tonight, over an hour of a podcast talking about our hopes and dreams of a of a new expansion mm. to a game that we all have some sort of passion for. It's all had a meaningful impact in our lives one way or another. And mm. so I'm I'm on that bandwagon. I'm so hopeful for the expansion in D2. Um and like I said earlier in the in the in the podcast, uh the people that went to the Destiny or the, the the Bungie Summit that all came back and said we can't tell you shit, but I we will tell you wait until the fall. Wait until the expansion. To hear yep. community members that them 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 themselves had fallen off the Destiny bandwagon and were off doing whatever else trying to keep their communities intact as well. To come back to the Destiny community and say, Listen here, year two is gonna be what you're looking for. We can't tell you, mm-hmm. but wait for year two. And to hear the community come back uh, mm-hmm. together after that, after that summit really brought hope back to me and really brought hope back to the community. And it gives me that much more passion to build, build around such a great platform again. So yeah, mm-hmm. I'm hyped as a, I'm hyped for tomorrow. I'm excited to see where it goes. And uh, you know what? My my expectations may be up here in the stars and in the reef, and you know we may end up getting shit on again. I mean it's a high possibility, but I don't I don't think Bungie wants that, and I don't think the community members that came back from that summit would blatantly tell us false things, you know. So I think it, and I think if it doesn't live up to what they expected, they're going to have an outcry from those people that went to the summit. Oh, a hundred percent, one hundred percent. So. Because they have large communities that will that will back them. All right, so that's that's about it. So, Killer, if you want to take us out, man. Sure thing, man. Uh, on behalf of not really stream team, uh, we are not really stream team. This has not really been a podcast. I'm Killer McGillicuddy, and everyone else, sign yourself out. Necker Billy, peace. You're fat, man. I'm out. This is Tessa. Let's look for you in D2. I'm Fat Jolly Guy. I'll see you in the stars. <laughs>